wow welcome to the fifth i'm really the fifth sure i'm 90 percent sure and mm. lucy and Clary's anti-power hour anti-power that's just what to, I said. Just to emphasize. Oh, yeah, no. I just wanted to emphasize. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you should definitely em emphasize it. I don't know if we've ever yeah. talked about my dislike of the term rust in power on this podcast. Oh, do share. I don't think, I don't even think I've heard that from you. Oh, I just, like, it's like, a, it, I get why it's done. I think it's often done by more oppressed than I am minorities and stuff. I don't want to, like, I'm not going to be like, stop saying that, but. My preference is I don't like power. Now, I know you're like, okay, someone didn't have power in life. They were killed, perhaps in some horrible, unjust thing, like rest in power. I get the idea, but I don't like power. I, I'm trying to abolish power. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest in power. Peace. I like peace. I don't like power. So, I don't know. That's just yeah. No, I, I, think I, I think I mostly agree with that, um, for sure. I mean, there, there, there's, um, you know, in radical spaces, a lot of attempts to, like, reclaim power um mm -hmm. in some way but yeah i don't know it tend it, it i mean that's why part of the name of the show i mean anti-power um is like a really good way to think about anarchism i think so i can't remember who actually came up with this name do you have, i know we, was it i you? came up with this name was it you it was you okay yes this <laughs> because sometimes behind the scenes in non-servium chris will say something that he thinks is stupid and then it'll secretly be really good so I can remember if that was one of those things. It's funny you brought this up because Chris, who for our viewers is the editor. He is um, producer and editor. The most show. organized man of and or woman at uh, non Serbium. So without him, we wow. would all we would all die. We would nothing would ever happen. So well, it's funny because Chris um, made his uh, uh, a yearly trip down to my neck of the woods, which he often does, um, and we saw him two weeks ago, and he came over. And uh, we had dinner, and this came up. I, and I, I was he ra you ratted on me to him about how it's not always your fault that we don't get shows out. Sometimes it's my fault. And oh yes, I did say that to him. Yeah. That is, I mean, I can hardly dispute that. So yeah, yeah, no, no lies here. Uh, but also total honesty. Stitches. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to come over there. Oh yeah, fair. We'll do a live uh, recording as you're beating me up. Um, uh -huh. We will. And that came up with Chris and, and I was flabbergasted and I, and I, uh, I, that's why I had to go back and look at our messages on Twitter and it's hard to look at old Twitter messages and shit. Cause you can't search them as far as I see, as far as I know. So I had to yeah. go back to like last year and find out where I was like, Oh, we should call, we should do show called this. And I sent it to Chris and he was like, Oh, oh so that was the proof. All right. Sold. Good. Yeah. yeah. Laminated. I so some, evidence, NFT some hard three years ago. That was a terrible. No, I'm good on that, but yeah. So you live in Florida, still. Supposedly. I've supposedly. never been. I've never even been to the airport. I've been to the airport in Texas, and you also lived there once, so I've found how that's related for me. But Florida it might it might not be there at all. You don't seem very southern, I guess. Um, for a couple of years there, I think I was trying it out, trying to be southern. Trying it on. But I'm the I'm I'd be the type of southern that's actually from like massachusetts like the so type not of southern <laughs> or i mean i'm not southern i'm from new york city i i live in southern like areas york, now did i know that you're from new york city That's i'm weird. from queens i'm from queens what? i share i share a birthplace with um with the two so the two most two most famous people that i share a birthplace with first place Spider -Man? With, forest hills queens 
specifically, yeah, Spider-Man and Donald Trump. Wow. So the, so the, the exemplar of using power responsibly, if one can, <laughs> to go back to our earlier conversation, and the exemplar of using power irresponsibly. So it's a nice dichotomy, you know, the duality of man right and force his <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Actually, you know what? We were absolutely not going to talk about this, but um, how many decades behind the times? I finally watched Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> and it was terrible oh, just it's good as the for legends you. um the legends. but i also watched into the spider verse and that was pretty good i like that a lot oh so, yes we get the real <laughs> dichotomy of the spider-man movies here my friends and i had an evening uh double feature of Spy- spider-man why'd you guys settle on spider-man 3 uh because i was like oh my god i never watched that and then alexis, oh yeah shout out alexis who will never see this hi um, was like, Alexis. well, we're just going to have to watch Spider-Man 3. And then we did. And it's definitely a movie you should watch if you've never seen it. I saw it in theaters when it came out and I was a little disappointed. <laughs> it has, it's little, it's, I think it's a little underrated now, all things considered. Because it at least has, has some good moments and some good characters. But the bad stuff kind of, alert, you know, dominates and like, that's what you remember. That was I pretty rough. I was waiting for just the emo hair and the like, I mean, hell, I thought the, uh... At least the first Tom Hardy Venom was like kind of trash fun, but Tom Hardy's kind of always elevates something that sucks. So like even Venom, I was like underwhelmed by because I'm like I've already had some fun with a dumb Venom I, movie. I haven't seen Venom yet. I just think Tom Hardy makes shitty movies better, and I, I like a person who does that. Yeah, someone um, who brings it to a movie that is absolutely not worth it. That's that's fair. But I'll still I'll still go to bat for Spider Man one and two. I still think are some of the best movies, superhero movies I've ever I seen. I do not remember Spider Man two at this point because it's been so long. But I did a rewatch of Spider Man one, and damn, that shit actually held up really well. Um, Willem Dafoe was really yeah. delightful yeah. in his evil, and I actually have more tolerance for melodrama than I did when I was a teen. So That's that type nice of bet. of melodrama, oh, it was working. Yeah. I think um, Tom Holland is so delightful, and more so than poor emo Tobey Maguire. But he never got a movie, as far as I can tell, nearly as good as like that first Spider-Man. Yeah, That's- yeah, I like Tom, but I I love Tobey. I grew up with it, um, and yeah, those first two Spider-Mans. I mean, visually, uh, thematically, I think they're so good. They're they're they hold up. I uh, yeah. I met Sam Raimi uh, at Megacon earlier this year. I got a Spider-Man movie poster signed by him. And uh, he wrote, um, it's on my wall. I'm looking at it. It's on my wall. But he wrote, um, be responsible, you know, on the poster. <laughs> and he was this, he was really nice. This really meek kind of dorky little guy. Um, yeah. I told him he should, I want him to direct the next Batman movie that they're making. Because I think that I would mean, be sick. I'd sign up for that shit. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do it. But I, yeah, that would be super fun. I skipped directly to Evil Dead 2. I don't know if that's um, illegal, but... I haven't seen as, as horror movies. I'm not as much into horror. Uh... I'm not in, like, as a genre in um, in particular. <laughs> I don't really seek it out. I just watch it sometimes. Um, Evil Dead 2 is is a lot of fun, I would say. Oh, I want to watch it. It's in, sit down just because I really like his sensibilities from all the movies I've seen of his. Most of them super movies because that is a genre I really like and seek out. It's weird as hell. Um, I'm sure. It has, it's just, it's yeah, it, the visuals are great, you know, in our CGI life. Um, there's some really fun stuff. I don't know. Oh. 
It ain't scary or nothing. There's no. It ain't scary. Yeah. But enjoy. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I watched the um the third one now. I guess. Yeah. Didn't uh, that just come out? Well, I don't know. He's done more shit, but I was thinking of Army of Darkness, where. Oh uh, no, that one. Yeah, but they just made a new one. I think. Campbell travels back in time for reasons I can't fully explain that happened at the end of Evil Dead Two. Forget why it happens. Well, the lore is. <laughs> gotta respect the lore um well i'm glad we covered this is secretly the anti-power except superpower hour this is the pro yeah yeah (laughs) actually now i'm just thinking about there have been some critiques of superheroes that i always think are unreasonable where it's like 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 an, an objection to the power of a superhero not just like in a um the incredible sense but just like as like a metaphor like somehow having a super like that, that's some sort of fascist like vibe if anyone has powers in the way that superheroes have and i, I don't like and I, I find that interpretation very well i like uh i think a lot of superhero material um especially after the first two decades of the genre coming being around like started to explore that i think and be a little aware of that because i think i think it's an interesting idea power fantasies are uh uh, uh you know dangerous thing and that's in many ways what they are, but it's like going back to earlier, what does power mean? And if it can just mean like, like efficacy in a way, like maybe that's a weird way to think about it, but it's not power over um, necessarily. Um, you know, that's the idea. I think a lot of the stories is to, to kind of examine the difference. Maybe. Right. Yeah. So uh, to completely go back on my objection to the, the term rest in power, maybe it's not, maybe that, that's not, I mean, that's not what it is at all really rest in power with like yourself or like with some other way not over others necessarily right right yeah I mean, I there's that... lots of words that i have like a ba- a fucking baby libertarian objection to like i got you know like a dollar 50 in scholarships for college when when i went to the college i went to and they were like here write an essay about leadership and i was like leadership is stupid makes me think of leaders who are stupid <laughs> i don't like leadership they were like, um, okay, here, have like $11 and come to our college, I guess. What? That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a very Lucy thing to do. <laughs> Eaterless Lucy. <laughs> That's, that, wow, thank you. Thank you. I'm trying my best with that. Um, <laughs> oh my God, there was a larger point somewhere. Um, oh, there always is. Oh, I mean, there's an appeal in like, in the, pe- like, ha- the, pe- this is like this is now like officially free association in my brain, but like <laughs> there's like obviously an appeal that people have with somebody who has power and who doesn't use it, perhaps because that is such a fucking fantasy. Um, yeah. But like, I mean, and that's what we think. That's what people who trust, you know, the political process in the most status quo way think. Like, no, no my guy's gonna be in power, and he's gonna have yeah. exactly as much political power as Donald Trump, but he's gonna be better. Yeah, and he's gonna not exploit it as opposed. I mean, yeah, he can, maybe he'll be a little less terrible than other guy, but like, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of the good stories, I think, is for the limits of the, their power in that way, and how you know it, it doesn't go as far as to affect structural change, uh, perhaps. And I mean, that people hate people hate Superman so often because he's too powerful, right? Yes, um, and like recent interpretations of him like the Zack Snyder stuff is like the sort of arguably more realistic menace of somebody being like godlike being like well I better not piss you off 
And the yeah. whole point, obviously, is that he's a Boy Scout from Kansas. So yeah, well, I think in some way it's an escapist in that way. It's escapist fantasy that we're talking about. It's the idea of power being used in a way that it's that it's regularly not used in the real world. But on the other hand, it can be like an aspirational fantasy too of. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, re- I guess reclaiming or 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 or, or, or cultivating uh, power, not power over, but in terms of efficacy and changing the world, perhaps, at least along certain margins. And like I, I, of late, I've been more interested in things with AI robot type things, and I'm thinking again because of the obvious connection to superheroes of the Iron Giant, which is another thing about learning to not use your power for bad things. But the Iron Giant for me is more fascinating because I think canonically, it doesn't say it like directly, directly, but he's a weapon. Like the giant yeah. is actually a weapon that learns to not be a weapon, which oh yeah, yeah. is like another, it's a more detailed, <laughs> like a more specific version of just power, I think. And that's more, I don't know. That's more intriguing for a story for me. Oh yeah. I mean, the iron giant is arguably one of the best superhero movies, one of the best Superman movies. Um, Got him right back there. Yeah, there you go. And I have, I have this maybe the exact same toy. I don't know. I think they made a couple toys of him, but I have a uh, not yeah. enough. Yeah, not enough. But it's, um, yeah, that's a beautiful film. Uh, and it's, and I agree, it's a more existential than a lot of the superhero stories. I mean, I, I've heard that the director Brad Bird, his his idea when he when he like had the idea for the movie or put it in a sen- sentence or something it was what if a gun had a soul mm-hmm. that's true that's just what you're saying and, and hogarth does actually say you don't have to be a gun but i know there's right. a deleted scene where like the giant is remembering maybe from his home planet that there are other giants like i don't know if it's like a factory making lots of giants but like he is you know hmm. his purpose like he is a weapon yeah yeah very... but he goes against that his purpose mm-hmm. in a way Man, that movie Spoilers. rules. Spoilers for 24-year-old. <laughs> it makes perfect movie. sense that that movie failed in some ways, but also it's so good. It's so perfect. Failed in what way do you mean? Like box office? Yeah, just because it's... You know, children can do deep movies, but it's also like set in a... T- it's set, you know, in the 50s. It's like for yeah. parents during that era would be like, look, it's your childhood and stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's almost for everyone, so maybe I understand why they failed to find an audience because advertisers are stupid. Also, and they're like, "Oh, I'm almost, I'm almost glad it didn't do great uh, because I feel like that would have led to some sort of sequelitis. Maybe, maybe it would have taken all these years later. But, but I don't love the idea of them, at least, especially without the original uh, creators. Like returning to that seems. I love it how it kind of exists and it's the story and it ends with teasing a sort of return for the giant Felix (laughs) my cat just opened my desk drawer it ends with a return teasing the return for the giant but there's no I don't see a need for another story it just ends on this note of hope you know so it's nice I mean there would have been like a Saturday morning cartoon show or something if that had been oh yeah like the Disney movies getting which would have been sort of terrible but also entertaining but um technically in the horrible um Ready Player One movie, uh, the Iron Giant appears, but oh really? Yeah, it's not. It's stupid, oh, okay. and it's I, I don't know. In this modern era, you have to make your own canon. Not that that's yeah. just a new universe, but just like I can throw no, it yeah. back in my mind. It's of no consequence. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm thinking about that show, like the cartoon. What would it? It'd be like Hogarth and and the Giant, <laughs> just like shenanigans up the weekly shenanigans. You know, perhaps, perhaps up to no good. 
they would solve all the actually i've never seen the soup wasn't there a superman 4 with lots of nukes? Yeah. like they would just like yeah superman 4 quest for peace yeah, they they would go to the UN eventually somehow. They, they would work it all out. Great children's programming. We never get to like any of the '80s conflicts. Actually, we never even get to the Cuban Missile Crisis because the giant would have solved it long before that. <laughs> what a relief! <laughs> this cartoon involves the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, yes. And like Hogarth is like an adult now. Well, I mean, that's the thing with, I, I mean, I just said that it would be a Saturday morning cartoon show, but like, it would have to be set in the 1950s. And again, I think there's a whole element of like, children are, children don't know that the past existed. They're too stupid. So like, I, have... I, I love that it's set in the 50s. I agree. It should stay set in the 50s. It feels like, a, like uh, it's invoking like the old monster, like the B movie, monster movies stuff, you know, oh, it, and that's it's just this great vibe. On purpose. I think some of the, like, the posters and other things have, have directly been like uh the thing from outer space you know oh really i don't think i, I don't think I actually did. i should probably rewatch the day the earth stood still at some point because surely that was an influence a little bit i've only ever seen the remake of that movie oh that's no good which i doubt is considered good no, it was a long time ago I mean, the the original one's not my favorite, but it's it's sort of one of those movies you should probably watch, I guess. And it does have a giant space robot, so you that's you cool. Can't go I like going for it. Can't be that bad of a movie if you have a giant space robot. That's my motto. Absolutely. Yeah, that, I've heard you say it many times. <laughs> yeah, conferences and stuff. It wasn't um, always relevant to the topic at hand, <laughs> but it, we could always count on you to remind us of that fact. About, that's you know. that's, <laughs> that's strangely believable. Um, Strangely believable. Um, yeah, I'm just like the story of Lucy Steigerwald. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe. Yeah, you ever you ever thought about writing like a like a memoir? Uh, in order to write a memoir, I feel like more horrible things should have mm. to happen to me, or I memoir. have to become more insightful about myself. And I don't expect either of those things. So, oh, uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, hopefully some horrible things happen to you. I really hope, like, horrible tragedy besets you and so you can, you know, write your memoir. Is that, uh, act- that might actually be a Chinese, like, uh, like, or, who knows? It could be totally fake. Um, may you live in interesting times, like, it's supposed to be like, oh. a, like a curse, kind of a, like. Right, yeah. Like, well, people say that a lot about last few years. It definitely felt pretty interesting and not so fun. Every, I mean, that's every time I think to a point. Like, oh, I think that we definitely overrate it. But when I think to like the '90s, I feel like maybe that was like the one. You had a few years there where it was relatively calmer. All right, or at least per- Fukuyama. At least perceived. And welcome our new guest for this episode, Francis Fukuyama. <laughs> Not that I ever fucking read that book or have any. I never read that beyond book. the end of history as a vague concept, which obviously. No, I, I don't think it was. I think it was just coincidence. You know, all those factors, you know, colliding uh, at various points in time. Um, you get I mean, that feels like. I, I don't know. I would obviously have to read it, or at least the fucking Wikipedia page about it. But like, was that just like an overly Cold War obsessed? Once this ends, why there'll be nothing else. Yeah, What's, I don't know. I think it was. An, I think it was an over. I'm not too familiar with his thesis, but uh, my understanding is it it gets a little oversimplified for the for the dunk value. Perhaps. I'm sure that's true. Probably, so you know, there's probably more going on. But 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 uh, but yeah. Um, 
Well, if he wants to call in and scold. Yeah, um, Francis will let us know. Is he alive? Later. He might be. He yeah, Francis. Fugama. We can get Francis Francis Ford Coppola. We'll come on. We'll have all the Francis's. Uh, Francis the Badger. Um, those, did you ever read those picture books when you were little about Francis? She's like a little badger family. No, no I never, <laughs> I never did. Books. But it's strangely believable that you read them. <laughs> bread and jam for Francis. She won't eat anything except bread and jam. Well, who could blame her? <laughs> I forget what that. else. I have one in Spanish that I keep trying to read. It's it's a lot harder in Spanish. Can you read Spanish? or? Because uh, if you can't, I wouldn't try to read it. I'm at like 75% of a picture book proficiency. So <laughs> Picture book? Those are pictures. <laughs> They're in Spanish. The pictures are in Spanish? So they have that yellow tint <laughs> Look at from the Breaking thing. Bad? A picture book traditionally has some words, though there are exceptions. Um is it about like the cartel, like Breaking Bad too? <laughs> Francis gets caught up with the cartel. Wait, which one's Fran- who's Francis? I thought you said that was the Badger. In that oh yeah, no, no, it is. Yeah, how do we get to break? Wow, okay, there's not enough coffee. Well, my mind sort of you there's know not enough coffee in this mug. Yeah, my mind. What is the picture on your mug? I'm curious. Uh, no, that's it. where my that was my childhood home. <laughs> my Holy shit, that's moved. cool moved from like two years ago now so i thought it was like a haunted house i mean i guess i could is it also haunted in addition to being your childhood home technically the house i live in now is much older but and therefore more haunted is that what you're saying? i mean is that how it works i don't know no i mean if i if someone got murdered in a house today it would become haunted right is that i think that's how uh that's i think they up the chances of hauntings um that house was weird and it had it was built by German immigrants in the 30s, and therefore, when I was little, we all agreed that they must have been Nazis, which yeah, doesn't, all... really, doesn't really check out since they moved from Germany in the early 30s, which actually suggests the opposite. Um, but They were too extreme for the Nazis. They were oh, too Nazis. <laughs> you guys are too nuts for us. Go build houses <laughs> that Lucy Sigerwald is going to grow up in. That sounds very bad if you're, I mean... I feel like people who are too extreme for the Nazis end up on like a moon base or something. Like they go. To yeah, space. they're up there. They're up there. They're still scheming. Wow! Strangely no. believable. <laughs> Not at all believable. Oh my Strangely god! Strangely unbelievable. Like, there was eight better points before you asked about the mug. What in God's name? Oh, sorry to. I just noticed it and was and and was curious. Um, I'm a terrible co-host. Well, that's great because I'm a terrible host, and together, oh my god, that's perfect. We'll entertain only ourselves that's and perfect. no one else. Yeah, yeah. Well, I assumed that that was what I thought with the show idea. Oh, I think I was desperately trying to get maybe to a segue um, because I'm also two months behind the times. Segways uh, are overrated. Weeks. I mean, if you want, if that's a perfect segue into the discussion of how segues <laughs> are overrated, I think like just I just love like r- like rapid fire shifting the topic of conversation with people. <laughs> It's super fun. It's way uh, more fun. I mean, is it fun for the audience? You know, the audience isn't. They can they can hop on board. Or Please comment and tell us if this is fun for you. No, don't actually tell us because we'll we'll be really our feelings will be hurt if it's not. No, we maybe, won't. Maybe they should comment. I would be devastated if we got one single negative comment ever on any of our videos. I would be well, devastated. 
we can delete them. At least I can. Oh, Chris sweet. Can. Yeah, Chris, Chris, can you delete Chris, the comments? Can you delete Chris, those comments? Delete them all. Uh, all right, thanks. I think you deleted them. He said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, People should comment like I like things they want us to talk about, though. Right? Yeah, because if someone actually does say that, we actually would talk about it, and then oh, for sure, for we sure, might be slightly more informative. Um, but I was desperately trying to get from the Iron Giant with a confused, ignorant Francis Fukuyama <laughs> stepping stone to uh, Oppenheimer. Because didn't you just watch that too? Oh, that is a pretty good segue. <laughs> oh man, it could have been. That's I didn't even think about that. You're you're. We are two months behind the cultural memes. I did not watch Barbie. I'm sure I will at some point in life. But yeah, you didn't watch Barbie. You're uh, either a really bad feminist or a really good feminist. I'm not sure which. <laughs> But probably. probably one of the, I think those are the only kinds of feminists that exist, probably. I'm, um, my problem more, <laughs> actually, there's probably med- medium feminists, uh, middling feminists. No, only, you're worse. only allowed to be really horrible or really good. Oh. With anything. Oh. No. That explains a lot about how I am <laughs> enough. Because I can't commit to being either really terrible or really good. Oh, God. Yeah, you can only commit to not committing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's relatable. So, you watched, <laughs> did you watch Barbie at some point? Oh, oh, yeah, I saw Barbie. Okay, but did you also watch Oppenheimer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you <laughs> like, watch Like many of us. Yesterday? Uh, yeah, I saw Oppenheimer literally yesterday. Okay, because I saw it literally a couple days ago, so. Oh, what a coincidence. What made you to finally go? Because you didn't see it at first. Um, I tend to accidentally miss movies a lot because I don't get around to going to theaters. Um, There's actually a fucking drive-in like 40 minutes away. And if it ever goes under, I'm going to feel personally responsible. Drive-in theater. That's legit that that exists. And I should give them more money so they keep existing. What kind of movies do they play? That'd be super fun. I would love to go to a drive-in theater. They didn't play an Oppenheimer and Barbie double feature. And I checked just in case they were going to, you know. Do they play old movies? Uh, they have occasionally. Usually it's more newer ones. That'd be super They cool. play whatever it's possible. It's legit. Um, no, I literally went because my husband was going to already, like, was going to go see Mission Impossible 147 with his brother, and then his brother's basement flooded, and then oh, sure. I was, uh, conscripted, and then he was like, wait, we could actually switch to Oppenheimer, which I know you'd rather see, and so we did. How nice of him. How nice of your hubby. <laughs> That's very generous. I don't think I would do that. I'd be like, (laughs) I want to see this movie. I mean, he also uh, professes to hate Christopher Nolan, sort of. Oh, well, now we're getting interesting. (laughs) And special guest on this episode, Lucy's uh, husband. Uh, No, he's at work making money, like some sort of. What a genius. Imagine if we were making money right now. Imagine if we were making money right now. That would be nuts. That's my very response to someone being able, what a fucking genius. My that God. was a smart move of him. <laughs> and of you to like, to marry well, you know, <laughs> to marry into it. That's smart. Uh, um, Doing yeah, life so, right. <laughs> in spite of, um, I believe Killian possibly is how you say it. I always said Cillian. But no, I think no, it's a little silly. Irish games are weird, so. Who yeah, probably a little silly. It might, it's, and, it could be, it's, it could be either of those. I don't remember. Um, he's really awesome, but I actually think that movie is weirdly almost bad. Uh, 
and it's enough. It's it's like it's like the the 2019 Little Women all over again, where I'm like everyone is losing their shit, and I'm like, I was underwhelmed. Um, oh yeah, didn't we say we were going to talk about Little Women on this podcast? Are you I'll bringing it back to that? What a good segue. No, um. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, sometimes I'm like, I know that that's, you're, you're wrong. The 90s little women. Me personally. No, just the people at large. Uh, (laughs) Oppenheimer's direction was insane. Um, None of his strength as a director, which is usually like some sweeping wide shot with something, some cool action sequence happening. None of that happened in that movie. None of the Nolans understand human beings, so to have a lot of mid-shot filled, let's let's dissect a man, like, that's not his strength, and that's why that movie isn't very good. I don't think. Well, that's actually a really interesting perspective on it. <laughs> I because, in part, because of the way it relates to my own, which is that, um, I agree that doesn't tend to be Nolan's strength, and that's part of why I um, don't like. I'm not in love with a lot of his movies Um, because they can feel a bit mechanical and a bit lumbering and as much as there's some good shit mixed in always. Oh, there's often, there's some, I mean, his movies are fascinating to me. I don't, I'm not really in love with most of them, but they, even the ones I don't love, it's, they're so interesting to think about. Um, That's usually what I said about him. Like he's worth, he's always worth watching. um, Even when he never makes it to the finish line as far as. Yeah. It's just his style. It's so, um, the characters often, like you said, feel more like expositional, you know, oh ro- God, robots. That. <laughs> you know, and so, but, 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 but this kind of leads me with a different to a different take because um, my favorite, so my favorite Nolan movie by a good margin is Memento. Have you seen that? I don't want. I love that when I was a teenager, and I do not fucking remember. Okay. Much. Ironically, about it. ironically, you forgot it. Um, <laughs> or. I don't remember if, like, I don't know if I'd still love it. I was okay. Very... I'd be really curious what you think of it now because um, I actually think really like Memento. I've seen it many times. I think it's great, and I think it's his movie that's most um, rooted in character and in, like you said, the um, the exploration of a person and and their psychology um, rather than like getting lost in a lot of his high concepts and, and big ideas um, and stuff. Um, Memento is just about this dude. And I think it's a great movie. And I felt like Oppenheimer, I liked it. I didn't think it was perfect, but I liked it more than you, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I liked it in part because it felt like a return to a little more character focused. And you're saying it's not his strength. And I guess I get that. But I, I, I mean, I found it, I found it enthralling uh, at, at times. And I thought the performance of Oppenheimer was brilliant. And maybe that. Oh, helped. yeah. And I think that like, I've heard, I have heard what Oppenheimer, the real dude, sounded like. And Murphy sounds exactly the same. Um, yeah. It's some of the shot again, like, it's not like I know his face super well, but there's a book that has Oppenheimer's picture. I feel like I've seen that one picture a lot. And, like, some angles, okay. I was like, oh, yeah, he looks like the book cover. Like, he, he yeah. looks right, he sounds right. Um, he doesn't sound, he sounds American to me, but weird old-timey American, which the actual Oppenheimer sounded like. Um, hmm. But it's so overstuffed. There's so much exposition that makes me feel like the movie both doesn't reveal enough and thinks that I'm stupid and has to exposit about Oppenheimer too much. It's I think the nonlinear thing is actually a giant mess and it doesn't work very well. And once again, it's like I'm being handheld, but also like 
it's going fast and it's not actually seeing if I'm keeping up. It's very weird. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely, I can sort of half or maybe three fourths agree with a lot of what a lot of that. It actually felt like the inside of my own brain. Um, not that I, you know, know anything <laughs> about uh, physics or have in, become deaf recently, but like the direction felt like the inside of my own brain, and that is not a compliment, sadly. But it was strangely like, oh yeah, there it is. There's my brain. <laughs> <laughs> like the speed of it. Also, his cuts. Dude, dude never lingered on a shot. Including, yeah. like, including like mid shot talk 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 shots and like that's my major complaint he is so he never really let up gives gave you a time to maybe process odd. um there there were some moments that maybe but but yeah i kept wanting maybe to slow down for a minute um you needed to slow down but it was also too long it was <laughs> yeah it was pretty long um and i thought like you said a lot of maybe exposition that was unnecessary um and there's still some fucking tropes, like um the Robert Downey Jr. characters, like Lackey, like his um the guy who worked for him. He's just like the, a la- the Lackey being like, oh, I actually respect the guy your your oh. nemesis is um like into like his honesty and his like, <laughs> like I don't know, it's just like I've fucking seen that before, dude. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's fair. I really uh. I really enjoyed the performance of Cillian Murphy and um, enjoyed, um, again, there were, there were some really, really high, high points. Like that scene where um, they celebrate, I guess, the bombing and um, he's having like images of what he's imagining. He God knows out. I see what they did there, but I don't, I don't think that even worked for me either. I don't know. Oh, I found that scene incredibly moving. And I thought... The sound design was amazing. I think they'll get, they should, uh, the sound design is maybe the best part of the movie. The The manipulation of the sounds um, was incredibly effective and stylistic. And yeah, Again, that scene worked for me personally. The, like there's no subtlety except in what year it is occasionally. And like some other stuff where I'm like, you could just tell me um, every once in a while. The, when, when... Yeah, I, the, the non-linearness didn't work too great for me. I agree with you about that. Um, I mean, the, all of the actual Manhattan Project stuff I found interesting, like my secret boomer man soul. I'm always like, just stick with World War II a bit. Like, hmm. I mean, I don't know a ton. I, I didn't previously know a ton about how Oppenheimer was treated by, you know, during McCarthyism and how the whole element like this is how they're going to treat you just because you, you know, had an open mind about certain political things and are not inclined to throw your friends under the bus. They're going to treat you this poorly after yeah. you were, you know, an American hero patriot did all this for you. Like, I mean, that's, that's pretty damning. Like no doubt yeah. about that, but I didn't need all of that. Like I didn't need to feel like I was being questioned by a committee, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah. I can see that movie going on. Part of the movie went on a little long, maybe um, once they get to that part. And his tradition, his anything he had with women was Nolan. It's very weird. He's like, oh yeah, women exist, I guess. Anyway, it's funny you say that. My uh, my wife, uh, many viewers will know as Kelly V, who you've interviewed and has been on the show, um, and who writes for C4SS. You can find her articles. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, we saw it together, and um, and she and she liked it as well um but we'll probably agree with some of your complaints but uh, anyway 
um you know yeah nolan doesn't never seems to have a, much of a place for women in his films and and my wife actually pointed out she liked that this movie um she liked uh what was her name kitty uh oppenheimer's wife yeah um emily yeah blunt. emily blunt uh really liked her portrayal just because it kind of showed this you know she says she's uh you know biologist she's a scientist like oppenheimer but then she gets thrown into this household wife role and and, and does not like being a housewife you know becomes uh, has, develops a drinking problem and 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 why and and kind of her and here i'm just i'm just kind of relaying like kelly's um observations about this being for nolan a more interesting woman character than he, he often has especially by towards the end when you know her reputation is being ruined along with his and she has no say or ability to influence anything as much and she's pushing him to fight back and he's not mm-hmm. And so I, I did really enjoy, too, the scene where she's interrogated and she does fight back and she kind of makes the guy look like a fucking idiot. I did like that scene. I thought it was done well. I thought it yeah, was. I really liked that. It wasn't over the top, but it was still sort of a triumphant moment. Yeah. But you, she still is such a mystery. Oh, yeah. Ways. Yeah. I mean, she's not super centered at all. She's kind of there. She's kind of, I agree, mysterious. She's intriguing, but she is very mysterious. And she has this devotion to her husband who's like a womanizer yeah but she's also drinking but she doesn't seem very happy as um a housewife and and a mother and we we don't we don't understand her but there's enough for us to be like what's like what's your deal tell me more i'm just like no yeah (laughs) yeah she was never flushed out as much i mean i mean oppenheimer takes so much center stage compared to the other characters but yeah i it would have been interesting to see more of her I, i agree with that and then also Florence Pugh's character is basically a plot point, which I assume is based on like, you know, an actual girlfriend and all. Um, yeah, I heard she was based on a. Um, and an actual, as, as as a plot point, like, okay, I get that that's also adding to to the interest, but I don't know what her deal is. She's a depressed communist who's super mad when he gives her flowers. Like, I don't really. <laughs> Like I don't, I'm get I'm stuff's being dangled in front of me, and I don't. I don't yeah, know. I thought it's the the flowers thing was funny. It's the especially by the, like the last time he's doing it, she's just robotically tossing them in the trash immediately. I thought that was kind of funny. The movie I felt could have used more humor. It was so long and so dreary, um, and no one, his movies have more humor than people talk about. I think, and this but this one was 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 actually much more strict. I think. I liked the, at the beginning, there was a, a gag that really made me laugh when he uh, poisons the apple with cyanide. for the, That was bizarre. Uh, and apparently viewer, based on... It's very confusing. Oh, it was very strange. Apparently, uh, it was based on him actually attempting to murder his teacher. Um, right. And, um, but I enjoyed, uh, like, the, the kind of visual gag and visual symbolism of the apple... You know, not fucking subtle an apple my god yeah no but i, I enjoyed <laughs> i enjoyed how how those things connected um and how and i really and i thought it was like a funny uh joke when he his excuse for knocking it out of the guy's hand he says a wormhole yeah um and I, so, like, I just, thank you you've saved me i just enjoyed these little these little quick uh gags and like taking these parts of his history and make them a little more fun um apparently I'm... he didn't he didn't in real life apparently he wasn't gonna 
he just got caught. He he failed in trying to murder his professor. He didn't go back and say and like change his mind. So the movie made him a lot more sympathetic in that regard. Which is all right. Strange. I'm gonna have to officially read the book about him to figure out what the fuck that's about. Well, I don't know. That's I'm just going off a few videos I watched that uh, talked a little bit about the you know inaccuracies or or maybe just changes would be a little more accurate. Um, one maybe the maybe more than anything, the part of the movie that annoyed me the most was what felt like a glaring error because they attribute property as theft to Marx. Um, oh yeah. I was, I was, I was sitting there. I was, you pro- yeah, I bet you want, you know, cause it's quick, the, but I was does like, the, does the movie actually think that that's the correct? Cause someone says property is not theft, but something else. And then someone well, corrects. Well, what happens is, is it's, it's when Oppenheimer meets uh, Florence Pugh's character, Jean, I think. And, um, and that it's at like it seems to be some kind of light communist gathering and um, light communist <laughs> and light um, refreshments like <laughs> and uh, and they're talking and it's like this dialogue that feels designed to just like I don't know seem like what would two like smart um, like commie sympathetic people in the '30s sound like when they're talking mm-hmm. and. Um, and she's like, oh, well, how, what have you even read of Marx? And he says he's read all three volumes of Capital. Um, mm-hmm. And in he he like he calls it turgid, I think. And he quotes quotes it and he says property is theft. And and then she corrects him to she says, no, 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 it's ownership is theft. And then he's like, oh, I read it in the original German. Which is funny. <laughs> and I, so I was just thinking, like, I'm not sure what they're going off of there. If there was just a, a bad Google search, because that's Perdon who says property is theft. I mean, it's right. Which even I know. But is there yeah. nothing? Equi- I mean, is there? Oh, Marx, I mean, talks about it at length. I mean, he engages directly with Perdon and stuff. But it was annoying that the that the thing that like the one quote from <laughs> Marx they were trying to like shoehorn into the film to have a character repeat was something not original to him at all that was right. more famously yeah. associated with an earlier thinker. Um, so yeah, funny uh, niche complaint from, from people with my views and who, who read what I read. I did think and C4S and like Prodon and see how I got it. I don't know if I thought like literally like, Oh, I better look into see if, you know, Corey has written anything about like, <laughs> <laughs> my main association with, with that phrase is like a C4SS dive, even if it's not, you know, Oh yeah, yeah. There's tons of stuff on C4S. I was talking about that. I, I think, yeah. Um, I did appreciate the insulting of um, Marx's communists can't write. Like that is that is another of my unqualified uh, statements. Um, <laughs> is that communists can't write, and maybe if they could, they would do better in life. So, <laughs> I uh, maybe it takes getting used to someone like like Marx. So I've tried to read a little more uh, last few years. Um, and at times can be very poetic, but maybe that's you know part of what it makes it difficult to read. All right, well, Bob Avakian can't write. <laughs> no, <I don't> really... <laughs> you know, I'm going to limb and say that Marx was probably more intelligent than Bob Avakian. I'm just going to uh, lay sure. it out. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> Why not? Um, and here's our special guest, Bob. <laughs> here's our special guest, Marx. <laughs> wow. What did you think of your depiction, of Oppenheimer? Um, the movie was. Int- oh no! I just I, I just wanted before uh, just to interrupt you rudely. Um, the <laughs> it, it has been interesting because Nolan is such a sort of become known and not wrongfully so as like this paradigmatic conservative filmmaker, 
or like, maybe like sole conservative filmmakers, but everything about it. Uh, uh, and then he makes this movie and it's hard to say, it's hard to figure out what stance he's taking on much of it. Anything, it seems to me, especially the communist stuff. And then even the bomb itself. Um, maybe, did, I don't know. Do you have different reads? I don't see a ton of ambiguity. I feel like at the end of the day, I often, I almost don't understand Oppenheimer quite as much as I'm supposed to, just because, almost because there's so much exposition where like, this man is like this. And there's like, well, there's he's, kind of, he's kind of a mystery of a man. I think it's kind of intentional. I mean, either there's a lot of this dialogue about how he, he can convince anyone of anything, especially himself. And his, and if you notice, it's, right. uh, Kelly pointed this out too, his, his, his own motivation and justifications uh, continue to shift throughout the film as time progresses. And, he says them all with great sincerity and uh, intellectualism, but they nonetheless are inexplicably shift conveniently. You know, at first it's because he's Jewish and his people are in the camps. And then right, right. once the Nazis are defeated, then it becomes, well, they have to know the power of what we've meant here. Um, you know, and then as it progresses more, his position changes more. So uh, he felt it felt intimate and, and stuff, but still he's, you know, his he's kept at an arm's length almost. We don't know. Yeah, I was almost thinking of the movie um, Lawrence of Arabia, which is about wow. an, other, an actual other, like a real human who I don't know, I even know even less about behind uh, the, the, the famous movie, but a sort of um, paradoxical man who, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, like he, he seems to hate war, yet he's sort of a maniac with a bloodlust, and he's like befriending the Arabs and like talking about how they should have certain choices, but he's also this ridiculous British colonialist snob. And at the end of that movie, I'm almost like, what was his deal? Um, <laughs> but for I, some reason in that film, I think it works very well. Um, I mean, the mix between the ambiguity and the direct ex- expositional, like this, he's, isn't he just like that? There's something odd about that. Um, well, I, I haven't seen Lawrence Arabia, so I can't comment on that. But um, but it's it a seemed... long ass movie, but it's definitely worth yeah. a watch. It's yeah, worth... yeah, definitely on the list. Um, it has the best, <laughs> most respectful version of brown face casting you'll ever see. <laughs> because you're like, oh my god, did you really have to do this? But like, they're treated as like a, as actual people. You know, they're just oh. like Alec Guinness painted, gently painted. You know, and you're like, you didn't need to do that. Is Alec Guinness? Uh, he is. He plays an Arab feller. Oh, and, huh. And there are some other characters, and you're like, it's hmm. well. That that in West Side Story, you're like, this is embarrassing, but you're also very sincere, and you're like, you're making a good movie overall. So the past be like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll definitely go to bat for for West Side Story, despite its uh, flaws and failures. But um, uh, in terms of movies, um where the titular character is um i don't know kind of both subject to like intense scrutiny and remains a mystery and sort of cerebral or unknown even to himself perhaps or oppenheimer reminded me a lot of citizen kane in that regard mm, okay. i've seen you seen citizen kane once so okay. um well i mean no we're, you know i mean it's like it's like the movie so to go to that one's pretty funny but but what you're saying exactly riffs off of that where it's citizen kane is the series of you know, spoilers for Citizen Kane, but um, the series of posthumous, uh, <laughs> these series of posthumous interviews with associates and you know coworkers and uh, 
loved ones of Kane after he died. And, um, and they all sort of intercut and it's the movies intercut with those interviews and with flashbacks of his, throughout his life of pivotal moments. And that actually makes sense as a comparison. I yeah. Guess you're right. and, and so it's kind of like this play with objectivity versus subjectivity and like mm-hmm. what, the, what these characters thought he was like, but mm-hmm. they're not correct. They only knew part of Kane, um, you know, or, or Oppenheimer. Um, so I think that's a really fun thing that really only film can do, um, in, in some unique ways that, that I, I, I did enjoy that. Yeah. I think maybe it, overall it's, I mean, editing, uh, the sort of vaguely self-indulgent nature of the movie, <laughs> just like there's, there's definitely a, a really good movie in there. Um, hmm. But I am, a, I was a little like, I don't quite get the like masterpiece, the calls for it being a masterpiece or anything. But also there are yeah. a lot of people like Oppenheimer that have these principles that they kind of squish to get a certain type of job. Um, some of my favorite whistleblowers were certainly like that. Um, people who were very thoughtful, very intelligent, and then got, you know, absorbed into a government job that involved a lot of very bad things. Um, and they yeah. clearly managed to talk themselves into it. Now, Oppenheimer yeah. Yeah. obviously didn't uh, whistleblow, but he certainly, like, I certainly believe in his moral um, uncomfortableness, even after he did all that work with the Manhattan Project. Um, as far mm-hmm. as I know, most of the Manhattan Project scientists were against the hydrogen bomb. Um, I appreciate that the movie makes Edward Teller sort of look like a lunatic, though Oppenheimer's weirdly encouraging of him. Like, you go keep working on your super bomb. Yeah. Like, go ahead. But it's like, they, there's talk about it a cipher of a man like what's your fucking right. deal edward teller why are you so obsessed with this yeah that's um, true that's true but like or like in, in the movie itself though like them acting like because um oppenheimer has moral qualms now when the bomb presumably would be used against russia that's somehow suspicious as opposed to him having moral qualms because... oh yes how absurd because he am become death and because of the and yeah, that I'll ending serve. i guess is sort of yeah i mean i kind of liked them tying back to the it's a little on the nose but tying back to the whole will the original will the atomic bomb even accidentally blow up the world um and the recurring extremely dark gag about um <laughs> it being almost a zero percent chance you know like yeah yeah um and the whole idea that well oops maybe we did do that it was just a little slower you know with that first um, yeah i mean that works pretty well i i yeah i enjoyed those themes i think a big oh go ahead go ahead i was saying also actually another thing about it matt damon actually did strangely enough provided the humor in that movie there was actually a little bit yeah his incredulity uh at at oppenheimer's detachment was was pretty funny funny. i i found oppenheimer's detachment even funnier i would say i mean that that engaged that that sequence uh uh i guess was right before the test and um and uh uh, matt damon's character said you know is asking about the one percent chance or whatever and and oppenheimer's like what do you want from theory alone? <laughs> and honestly, I, I keep thinking about that. It cracks me up to think about. Um, but I think I, I it's a perfect uh, subject matter for a big theme in Nolan stuff, which is, to me, I think is like, um, you know, people that kind of set out with, with something like good intentions and then kind of get caught up in this um, 
situation and 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 reap these consequences and this chain reaction of events that they didn't necessarily intend at the beginning um and that come to maybe define them or or, or lock them in um against their against their initial uh good intentions and i thought this was an interesting case um in in that kind of situation with 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 the highest stakes version of that i did also like how the movie made harry truman look like a dick yeah that was funny (laughs) (laughs) gary oldman as harry truman was was actually a delight um, his facial reactions, which apparently is sort of supposedly that, like, don't let that cry baby scientist back in here was like a thing. Yeah. Like that actually really happened. that's strangely believable. Just weird because I fucking hate Harry Truman, but he also yeah. supposedly claimed to feel like, well, he was like, it's my responsibility for those bombs, not yours. Yeah. But like, you can share feeling. <laughs> yeah, that scene was it was weird. Um that was the only the kind of weirdness that actually has to be based on reality, I think, because it's <laughs> otherwise sort of confusing. Um, there are certain things where <laughs> it only has to be real. Um, I guess, oh, that and like, um, I think the whole let's not nuke Kyoto um, because I went there on my honeymoon. I think that might be true. I know that not not hitting it because of its cultural significance and how beautiful it supposedly is was that is true which i i thought i heard that it was taken from another incident that it wasn't necessarily it didn't necessarily happen with the um, the atomic bombings but maybe the fire bombings or something where well kyoto for the second bomb kyoto was taken off i think i, be- I believe that's true and oh no i just mean the honeymoon line i oh, thought okay. I, I thought that was like based on maybe some other historical thing and they just used it that here. may well be true then but i i could um, be mistaken I do appreciate old um, Oppenheimer not letting people forget about Nagasaki because, yeah. boy, even now, do we do the shorthand and say Hiroshima's if that yeah, encompasses at all. That's a good and point. There is a phenomenal Onion article <laughs> about this, about there's an Onion history of the of the United States or of the um, where I first learned about so many things that I shouldn't have learned about, like Jonestown, which is a weird thing to learn about via humor book. But there's a thing about Nagasaki is like Nagasaki nuked for the hell of it. Like second bomb would have just sat around or something. <laughs> and it's like, I always oh think about that. Cause I'm like, God damn, that's true. Jesus Christ. That is true. I don't, I don't know. Like the, the actual moral qualms of the scientists, like, as far as I've heard is very accurate. And that is such a strange thing that that thing that like you and I could never imagine being a part of something like that. And yeah. there are people who, who are part of it, and they're not like, ah, I can't wait to melt the flesh of my enemies. Like, and they're not, you know, most of them, except for fucking um, Curtis LeMay, are not usually like that. <laughs> yeah. Though, um, tr- well, trying trying to outrace the Nazis to um, that weapon was probably the, one of the most, uh, you know, understandable sort of motivations to create such a weapon. If you know. I- and I can't remember, there's a whole thing about, which is not in that film, I almost wish was, where a, a Nazi, a telegram was intercepted, and people decided it was referring to, like, an atomic bomb project in code, and it absolutely wasn't. It was, like, literal, I think. It was like, you know, I'm going to Steve's house, and like, oh, Steve must mean the atomic bomb program. And apparently it was like, they totally got it wrong. 
and it wow. turned out that the Nazis were not progressing at all on this. So that was like a turn. yeah. I mean, it, the movie illustrates uh, you know uh, mission creep in a way. I mean, they initially mm-hmm. it's entirely about well, mm-hmm. the worst thing is the Nazis getting it, so our hand is forced. But then they don't even make it before that threat is vanquished, and they still continue. Um, yeah, pretty brutal. I did forget. Let's see, do I have within reach? What artifact <laughs> is this? This is uh, this is Trinitite. This is um, oh. some nuked sand that I uh, oh shit got from an, an internet a Twitter person who. Um, I sent him a creepy uh, civil civil defense manual thing that I had two of, and he sent me Adams for Peace stamps from 1953, which Oppenheimer actually talks about, and Trinitite. Don't eat it, folks. Um, but I should have taken it with me so it could be like, Papa, is that you? It just kind of looks like... What is this, like, hilarious? Slightly green cement. A historical so. artifact, creepy historical artifact collection. Community, community on Twitter that you've been... Oh, there's nuke Twitter as a whole thing. There's like a lot nuke of nuke Twitter. Um, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people actually um, like academics and stuff. Now, know, nuke Twitter talking. as in noun or verb? <laughs> Either both. I would say both. Okay. <laughs> I'm not familiar um, with nuke Twitter. I mean, I talk. I, I guess I talk about the morality of using nuclear weapons sometimes, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. No, like more people actually studying it. And there's a dude who does a podcast called Super Critical, which is a perfect name. Um, who works in non-proliferation, but he does podcasts about um, <clears throat> anything that has any fictional thing, um, any film or TV sometimes, mostly film, like portrayal of nukes. I see, I see. Yeah. And yeah. I've talked about some depressing movies with him on there. So there's there's some good sort of a- like academic and like things. So I feel like maybe I should join that team just because yeah that's sounds right up your alley pretty interesting you can uh i mean there's aside from war movies the genre with the most nukes i for my money has got to be superheroes it comes up again and again superman the movie uh the the batman vs superman uh, Mm -hmm. dark knight rises that's true i mean nukes are connected to them i gotta watch superman 4 one of these days because darn it i like christopher reeve but i kind of don't like that first superman because there is actually you know, there's actually a going too far see you later for superman and the going too far is turning the earth back that is officially too powerful well have okay let me ask you this have you ever tried to turn the earth back yourself um no because actually if you it, haven't tried then you don't really know it's not working for me as well as it is for superman it's kind of just middling i usually just get overheated under a yellow sun and then have to go inside (laughs) yeah me too but no i if we're going to talk about this i like i like the the ultimate act of a god-like character would be turning back time to save the person he loves it's at once totally godlike and at once totally human like because it's just to save this girl he loves I, I enjoy it's so ridiculous but i mean it's, it's it's like based on golden age comics i kind of it's just uh, something yeah. less a lesser version um i mean like the whole pa kent having a heart attack thing was always i don't know when that who first made that a plot point um for superman 
But that is perfect. Even if you think too hard. I think it's like, there. I think it's that movie. In that one. But is, is that the beginning of it? That movie started so much for the character. And I and I would say that. But I could be wrong. Because I know they wouldn't have wanted to have killed them um, for a long time back on the... Uh, I mean, right. I mean uh, a funny tri- piece of trivia is that on the 90s Dream Man cartoon series, they wanted to kill Ma and Pa Kent about halfway through. And the network literally just told them, no, you can't. That's why they have the episode where instead the Jack Kirby inspired police officers killed. Where they they wanted to kill his parents there. I know I've seen that. Uh, I watched all the all the '90s oh, yeah. um, superhero cartoon shows. All like they were best. all good. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best decade for superhero cartoons for for movies in general. I think. I don't know movies, but for superhero cartoons, no question about it. I know. I really love '90s movies. '90s music is the best. '90s has the best people. I was born in the '90s. It's got the best <laughs> of everything. Well, I was born in the 80s, and in the 90s, I was too busy being like, well, I wish it was the 60s so I could watch the, so I could watch the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel and, I don't know, look at hippies or something. Well, I wish it was the 60s. Yeah. Did you really, like, romanticize that decade? Um, I you did. Still, I, you still do? I will flatter myself by saying I have never romanticized <clears throat> as foolishly as adults do today about, like, the past, but... I would pay an astounding amount for the ability to time travel so I could, you know, see the Beatles. It would be very loud. There would be screaming. Girls. Oh, I love it. I love And World War II and like literally everything. I just want to see it so badly. And that's always been true. Well, I love talking. I love figuring out, um, you know, what, because every person is different. Like what time in history would you visit? And so is that it for you? The 60s? I mean, that was, it started, I don't know. If I have to pick one, God yeah, knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I would, like, I want to no, go you see gotta pick one. Clash, like, when I was, like, 15, that's all I wanted was to be able to see The Clash, so. Yeah, I think it would be super fun to go back and see, like, great bands, but, like, before they got super popular, maybe? Like, so right on the cusp? annoying. Oh, yeah, I saw The Beatles in Hamburg. No, no, just, like, to experience it in, like, a small, like, a, like a small setting, like like, with a smaller crowd. Oh, yeah. Um, and like, yeah, just like right before they hit, the, I think that would be. Um, I mean, in this case, you have a time machine, though. So it's not even like you can do. You can do more than just see them before they're big. I don't know. You can like. You can see them when they're born. I mean, exactly. Is you that what you're going for? Or... <laughs> I mean, what, what concert in his like, is it the Beatles? Like number one performer you never saw that you would not... want to go back and see? I don't know. There's so many. There's too many. It's a really difficult question, isn't it? Often, I often I think I would just. I mean, I grew up listening to Elvis, my dad's yeah. little CDs, and part of me just like, yeah. I mean, what a moment to have That'd seen be so fucking fun. Elvis yeah. moving his hips. I mean, go sure. Well, go to the Ed Sullivan Theater and just sit <clears> there for a couple of years, see some see some sweet stuff. Yeah, yeah. You'd see. Yeah, you'd see a lot of stuff. Just just all the shows for years. That's this funny idea. Well, I'm still working on that time machine, but, um, you know, I'll I would, know. I would go back to ancient Greece. I would want to see the apology of Socrates live. I would see the trial. The you need defense. a tra- translation problems though. Yeah. I would, I would need to know somehow learn the language, I guess, beforehand or learn how to understand it. Vocally. This is why I, I like even a ridiculous explanation for, um, the lack of a language barrier, like. In Doctor Who, if you travel in the TARDIS, it just like it gets inside your brain, and then it oh, is that it? Brain. I'm not a Doctor uh, Doctor Who. Per- I don't know. I'm not a Doctor Who person, but that's a cool uh, Farscape, I believe, has translation like microbe things that just like that's cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, Marvel always does it easy with just like Reed Richards usually had meant some sort of translator thing, and you know, mm -hmm. boop, boop, it's done. Uh, Star Trek obviously has a translator in in Enterprise. They're like they actually briefly struggle because they're like just making the technology and they have an actual translating human. Oh, well, I've never seen Enterprise. Now you've you've gone back and seen Enterprise, which is what probably considered like the worst Star Trek show. Um, Mine. I don't know if it is anymore. It has actually it has some some good stuff. Should I watch it? I mean, I love Star Trek, but I've never yeah I've never seen that one. Um, you'll 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 get some weird real weird Bush. Uh, oh, war, yeah. early war on terror vibes Bush era. oh that's lame what which is strange um but, but, there, but there's a, there's an alien terrorist attack on earth in like season that sounds three. dumb as shit to be honest um i don't know i'm not a very enterprising individual i'm not sure i'll see the show but to turn... i think it's worth a watch i, I actually don't... stopped watching discovery because i couldn't fucking take the speechifying anymore and the i haven't seen any of discovery yet I haven't it's, discovered it's it. It's frustrating, I would say. Well, it looked so grim. I don't know. Um, didn't really look like. I mean, I'll, I kind of want to watch it. I'm curious, but um, I don't know. Grim isn't even quite the word for it. It's just it looked dark. There's some, there's some odd things with Discovery, including some oddly unjustified familial bonds in the, which we don't actually see on screen, and oh. like speechifying and crying. And you're like, I, I need more stoicism in my Star Trek. I need it to really, yeah. really I mean, do you, count. Do you think that, I mean, how? I feel like there's a spectrum with how much inter-federation uh, uh, or inter-humanity conflict that Star Trek fans enjoy. You know, you go back to the original and supposedly the rule was no conflict amongst the group members because humanity has advanced to the point. Right, which I have, I desperately need to see the original show more. I've only seen a tiny bit of it and some oh. of the original movies, not all of them. Oh, you got to go back. Yeah, I, I, I'm watching it all out of order. I've never watched it. Order. The order doesn't really matter, but I, I love that stuff. I love the old Star Trek and, and the movies even. Um, Star Trek, the motion picture is probably really underrated, the first one. I've, I, I've been hearing that of late. I would yeah. like to watch that. Yeah, it is. It I is. grew up on Next Generation and even Deep Space Nine, which Deep Space Nine, I don't remember a damn thing about at this point, And I definitely need to go back to that. Next yeah. Generation, I watched during the last couple of years. Um, and I love parts of it. But man, did the women get the short end of the stick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you're not going to fare better with the original series. You're gonna fare worse. I, I figured. Unfortunately, um, which is weird because um, people critique both Enterprise and Voyager for sexualizing the female characters, um, but honestly, they get more writing and they get more consideration. So even if they're, you know, it's obnoxious that they make Jerry Ryan wear like a suffocating cat suit and stuff, um, but her, you know, the character is so good. Right. that i i as a viewer don't notice it um whereas in next generation when they have like um dr crusher and troy like at the gym wearing doing, doing yoga clothing, or like There's... troy having her fourth like forcible pregnancy <laughs> alien assault and you're just like jesus christ yeah a lot of the troy episode they struggled with those. i thought they i didn't like least. troy until about season seven six end of no season she's great seven. I actually like her. She just got totally she's, robbed. She's awesome. And the writing. And she's better in those episodes where she's supporting, maybe, because they just couldn't figure out really good main plots with her. Unfortunately, it's that crap they mentioned, but I like There's the like a thing where she disguises as a Romulan and there's like she's gonna take the bridge exam or whatever that are better. Um 
Crusher has like the episode where everybody like disappears and she has to figure yeah. out what's going on. I like that one. And immediately you're like, oh, this is this is all right. Um, yeah. I hate Tasha Yar was a fucking disaster. And as much as I remember her death when I was <laughs> little being traumatic, she was horrible and her writing was horrendous. So, I don't know why I've always been a Tasha Yar defender. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I just liked her. It's like hitting on the captain in like episode four. It's a fucking nightmare. What, and uh, being like flattered when the racist portrayal of like the space African the, warlord the, episode. The problem is that the first like um, what one or two seasons of the show were um, particularly bad, especially in some of those aspects. And then Gene Rodberry died, I think, and they they were able to move away from that. And so yeah, her being killed off early, like she got, but her getting killed off early, like means she only had like the early more crappy episodes to work true. with. I think that's a little unfair to her. Because oh, uh, I, I love Tashiar, but um, it is what but, yeah. exists. But, yeah. I'm like, oh my, she sucks. Um, <laughs> she's terrible. Well, have you seen the J.J. Abrams? Um, I don't. Are they? It's not really Star Trek, but they're like loosely inspired by Star Trek. I have seen them, and I do not care for them. <laughs> the the not the not J.J. Abrams. Um, the third one beyond is actually better. I think I didn't see not, it. I didn't see it because I saw the first two. They're not know. messing up existing stuff as much i don't know it doesn't bother me as much the second one is insane because they're literally it's the fucking force awakens of star trek it's like what yeah. a the movie you already saw but we went oh. rrr, 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 rrr. perfect oh. comparison that's a perfect comparison it's horrible yeah that's horrible. i never that's a perfect analogy yeah the only thing jj abrams is good at is television a little bit because my husband yeah. is yet again watching fringe um i never which saw is fringe. sort of delightful sometimes my dad was obsessed really yeah, he was on the fringe of... Well, he was in the main part of the fringe. Fan. I just... It has one of my favorite mad scientist characters. Um, Love a good mad scientist. Which, which is which is always fun. And it actually made me more okay with mirror mirror universe, alternate universe type things. Plus. Oh, yeah, I heard it was, that that was... Yeah, okay. Well, that's another Star Trek thing, so... Yeah, I, I, and it, I don't know. It's pretty... I don't... It's pretty good. Yeah. It's very network TV and stuff. And there's certainly some episodes where you're like, boy, is this the X-Files-ish, mm. but... Man, I wonder what an X, uh, a Mirror Universe version of our podcast would be like. What do you think? I would be uh, shaving clean, well and you would have, you'd have a goatee, and we'd be like... You wouldn't have a beard, I guess. You'd be like conservatives? Yeah, organized conservatives. Wow. We, and it, like... it would just be power hour, or maybe like... Ooh, ew, ew, yeah, that's true. It would pro power minute. We could try. <laughs> we could try to do that. Um, maybe for April Fool's. Do what? Oh, be the host yeah, of podcast as the evil like, versions of ourselves. Evil. Yeah, that'd be fun. You gotta wear the goatee, and I gotta. I'd have to shave. I don't want to shave. Have you ever wondered if you suddenly became like right wing, if like if you could succeed <clears throat> as like a pundit? Because I would never do that, even as like a prank, you know. Oh no, I have, I have wondered like, that. Yeah. No, I, sometimes it looks so easy. Sure, I'm sure the competition. I think well, plenty of people wonder this, like, because you because mm -hmm. you see the how easy it, it is apparently, and um and yeah, you're just like, well, I could I could spoon feed that same stuff. And some people did that on purpose. Like, I'm pretty sure Candace Owens did that on purpose. Like, I'm going to be a terrible right wing person. Right, yeah. I mean, I really have no idea about some people are true her motivations. Terrible. Some her, people her, like her inner motivation. She's kind of an Oppenheimer in that regard. <laughs> uh, you know, 
anybody who was like a Democrat and then two years later was like a far right lunatic, I do sometimes wonder. Like, in oh, a yeah. punditty way, I sometimes I suspect they did it more deliberately. Yeah, Which, well, that, that's fair to suspect it. I was gonna say is arguably worse, but it's actually the same. I would say in some ways. <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean? Worse than what? Well, people always get. Um, isn't there like a Norm Macdonald joke about people talking about the hypocrisy of Bill Cosby being like the worst oh. part, <laughs> and him being like, "No, I think the like wasn't the rape the worst part." Yeah. Yeah, I, okay, I see what you mean now. Yeah, People yeah. People do get bogged down in that as if somehow that's right. like... The worst part is not the hypocrisy, of course, of course. <laughs> right, yeah, I agree. Yeah. People, people get very obsessed with that, including people that I will not name specifically, but who are obsessed with, like, the hypocrisy of, you know, the media and the Democrats. I'm like, yeah, I know everyone is, like, that's not a principal argument. That's just a, a, a swamp to get fully stuck in. Um, yeah, we got to drain the swamp, there. right? We gotta drain that swamp. That's why I almost didn't say swamp. I tried to say you like, almost didn't a say bog you, you or a liar or something. A yeah. bog or a liar. I don't know. We gotta drain those too. We gotta drain the bog. That'll be my drain the mire. We need those wetlands for something. Well, we don't need the Washington D.C. wetlands of the of the government, but turn it back into wetlands. That's what we gotta do. Yeah, actually, that would be exactly. better. Hey, don't drain the swamp. Fill the swamp. Yeah. New oh, model. It just sounds like though we're like. Yes, run for office and be t be corrupt. <laughs> if we take that meaning, you know, the standard yeah, meaning of that we need phrase. to work. We need to go back to PR. All right, we'll we'll uh, you know workshop it. Chris will give us his feedback. Absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll never watch this. Um, yeah, no. At some point, we were going to actually talk about real like the the news existing, but does it? Instead of that, should we talk about how? Um, how, how awesome uh, the original Harley Quinn was because that's oh yeah more... I didn't know if you would yeah I like I like bringing this up she died a few days ago Arlene Sorkin um, kind of a bummer only a year after Kevin Conroy less than a year oh yeah all of our the giants of yeah. the greatest superhero yeah. cartoon ever made that's no yep. good yeah they're on the poster behind me to be transparent I had a dream of getting it signed by the actors portraying it but now two of them have passed. Boo. I ha I I have a Mask of the Phantasm poster signed by Kevin, but I was just realizing I had never seen that and how I needed to watch it. Um, Man, what we need to end the podcast at this so very second. I gotta go. I gotta go. I think it's it. the best Batman movie, the best Superman movie, best animated movie. I'll just it's just uh, all of it. Yeah, I need to watch that because that cartoon but, is. And I'm biased, but. Well, and those voice actors are perfect. Yeah, yeah. Although Harley's not in it, but yeah, rip to Harley. She that people people don't realize that she like Paul Dini was friends with her um, and there if people look it up she did this skit on the days of our lives where she dressed like a clown and played a jester mm -hmm. type character that inspired Paul so like okay let me give the Joker this woman jester type sidekick and I'll cast Arlene Sorkin as her and I'll make make her name Harlene and uh, and she'll voice her and then every voice since has been a real imitation I've loved them but they've been imitations ultimately I think most would agree of that original voice. Yeah, I just get, um, as an aside, I want Margot Robbie to succeed in life solely because she saw, she was in the Suicide Squad, it sucked, but she was like, you know what, I didn't suck, and my portrayal of Harley Quinn didn't suck, what if I just take that out and make a better movie? So, yeah. I, I, I wish her luck in all of her endeavors, and we'll someday watch Barbie in honor of that, that fact. <laughs> Yeah, she rules as, as Harley Quinn. I great cast. I didn't expect to like a, a live action one uh, as well because 
I think outside of a cartoon, that character can be very tricky to... I agree. Like, I've read some comic things, including where... I mean, of course, they had to sex up her outfit. Can't wear, like, a, a mm-hmm. jester outfit, because then what will the boys look at? Um, and that's another reason Suicide Squad was so obnoxious. Um, yeah. But I've seen actual comic stories where she's very, like... She's doing evil, but she's sort of angsty about it in a way that just doesn't work because it's just sort of. She's really tricky. She's is she an antihero? Because uh, because we've done that before, but it's like that doesn't even really capture her. She's such a complex character. She's really become... and the, the cartoon like she's a battered girlfriend, but there's also a comedic element, and it actually mostly works in a way that seems literally impossible. You know, that yeah. there's this weird humor, but like there's so much like pathos and it's so tragic, but she's so yeah. funny. It's so good. I agree. I mean, what an impossible uh, tie rope to walk. I think the performances really helped that with Arlene and then Mark Hamill as the Joker. It's something I agree because I'll find myself feeling so sad for Harley at the same moments I'm, I'm laughing or finding humor in whatever situation that her and the Joker are in. I mean... Yeah, uh, I was just watching. I watched a few episodes with her the other day after she died, and um, so if people want to go back, they should watch Harley's Hol- uh, Harley's Holiday. And uh, is that the is that the slapstick? Um, yeah, like, kind of like on Looney, the lamb thing. Yeah, kind of almost like a Looney Tunes style chase. I love that one at the end when Batman gives her the dress. Yeah, it's probably the yeah. It makes me tear up too. <laughs> it's really yeah. He's like, I know what it's like to have a bad day. It's probably uh, one of the best little moments written I and acted uh, in the canon. In the canon, yeah. And, and then that, Har- bat- that Batman just like there's like one episode with um, Poison Ivy where I think she's actually up to something, but like he's like suspicious. Like he goes to check up on her and stuff. Like he doesn't really trust these people. But if they really did go straight and like get like he'd be he'd be all for it, you know? Well, like he's oh yeah. That's why that's the best version of the character. Uh, he's he's that dichotomy in humans. You know, we can be really distrusting, but at the same time, we're hopeful. And so, mm-hmm. it's, how do we navigate that? And Harley's holidays, just like that. I mean, the premise of the episode is she gets out. She's on a holiday, right? She's um, and and Batman is trying to keep her out of prison. So it's like it's total inversion of right, like the superhero, you know, putting the villain in prison. This that episode, you know, uh, delightfully is is all about him trying to like. Cause she's kind of in really getting caught up with the laws. She's trying her best, but mm-hmm. that episode is so great. And then um, Harley and Ivy is the other one I would recommend. Cause that one is riff, riffs on Thelma and Louise and puts them on a. And a, they canonically get together, not literally in the cartoon. Cause it was the nineties and we were very silly. Yeah. They do everything, but imply a, uh, relationship yeah actually in the cartoon there is a lot of they share they, they live together for clearly yeah. for extended periods that's clear yeah. um uh but but beyond that i mean the show didn't it's amazing that the show introduced her and sort of inadvertently created a character that could be so complex because it's like oh what is it's it's just it starts as just oh what if the joker had a female sidekick but like right. hey, that's a really weird and idea like what is what is she like why would she do that what are her goals what are her what's her past um, i mean yeah like superheroes like it's such an like a ridiculous history of what if girl version of boy superhero we already have i mean i don't know how many years it took me to realize there was a super 
uh, I'm sorry, a bat woman, because like yeah, using bat girl in our <laughs> era was much more of a thing. Of course. Um, when I realized they all had like pets and stuff, like yeah, we gotta bring those back. I love the, pets. the silly, <laughs> but like I think Harley works better. Harley is more distinctive in some ways than a lot yeah. of those. Because um, I don't think she was meant to be a female version of the Joker. She's literally a sidekick she's his robin she's not right his bat true. his bat girl i think so it's kind of interesting like because then you have that innate conflict well she has to get out of this abusive relationship because that's all it can ever be with a character like the joker mm-hmm. so you have this innate conflict and, and and arc for her and that the cartoon we're talking about uh where kaylee cuoco voices her the new ongoing harley quinn cartoon explores okay, her okay. with such great depth i mean the cartoon has flaws but overall i think it's really underrated and ha- deeply explores her characterization uh, I just think that um, the fact that she worked so well in her original cartoon, I I feel like people are always dissing cartoon. I mean, cartoon, uh, cartoonish is like a is like a pejorative, you know. And but yeah. cartoons and every Disney movie that like <clears throat> let's remake our classic thing with this soulless, realistic oh like and, you know like cartoons. Uh, I don't know. I love I ha- cartoons so much more what than is this child. It's really weird. <laughs> oh, sometimes I feel the same. I, I, I really do. Uh, they're lovely um, and far more creative uh, uh, than a lot of live action stuff. And of course, a lot of live action stuff now is no less animated than cartoons because it involves exactly. CGI, <laughs> which is animation. And it's like, yeah, these this implicit denigration or explicit, but more implicit with these Disney remakes of, mm-hmm. of, the, of the animated <laughs> medium. I mean, the overriding thing is I want mo- give me more money, but at the same time, to do that to you're this you're talking about the same studio that made what is known as like a masterpiece of animation. That was their yeah. thing, and it's yeah. impossible not to be sort of degrading your own masterpiece. I mean, it's like it's very strange. Trying to think of an art equivalent of like. <laughs> You know, like something like I'm gonna copy Van Gogh, but like make a weird Photoshop. Like um, I don't know, the, just the most soulless sort. I of thought like an analogy would be like you took a Van Gogh painting and then tried to like recreate it through photography. Yeah, but even like, that sounds a slightly more interesting. If <laughs> actually that does sound that actually now that I say it, it does sound pretty interesting. But nevertheless, uh, I think that's the most accurate analogy where it's like you're just translating it to this other medium for what purpose exactly? Yeah, for money, money, money. Oh, right, for Yeah, of course. But also the fact that the writing is like fucking my Mulan. What a fucking. I haven't seen most of them. I saw the first one. I think the first one was Alice in Wonderland. And I watched that because Alice in Wonderland, the Disney version, is among my very, very favorite movies. And I fucking hated it. The live I action like version. That at least there's probably been a lot more versions because that is a book. No, there's tons of other live action versions, yeah. but like, but like the Disney one with like uh, Johnny Depp as the Mad Hatter. I hated that movie. I should watch the cartoon because that's the kind of cartoon that like scared me a lot as a child. That oh, I, I was always have. obsessed with it. It's by a million times my favorite Disney movie. Like, yeah, so good. I saw Grave of the Fireflies as a child for the first oh, time, <laughs> and, and I saw my neighbor Totoro as an adult and my neighbor <laughs> Totoro would have scared me so much as a child mm. mostly the cat bus but a couple of other things I was very of... scared of slightly sinister animation as a child which is probably now why I love it so much because it still has an element of like you know like really trippy early Max Fleischer cartoons with like Coco the Clown and Betty Boop really weird trippy like 
sort of seems like they were actually on drugs, not even like a, <laughs> tired, a tired joke. There's one really early one where they're like, they like start off at the dentist and there's like laughing gas, like Betty Boops at the dentist and the laughing gas like, escapes the cartoon and goes into the real world. It's so really, weird. Oh, that sounds super <laughs> so fun. You should send me that if you, I haven't, I've seen a lot of the Fleischer, um, Popeye, and Superman, because mm-hmm. I even older than that, love like those characters. But yeah, I'm saying I have. I don't think I've gone back to see a lot of what you're talking. Uh, YouTube Betty has some stuff like the earliest Betty Boop. Um, the earliest Coco the Clown is practically like an exercise in animation from like 1919 hmm. or something, where it will be like That's a hand drawing him and he starts doing stuff. Um, yeah. One of your cats is named Felix, though, right? Yeah. Um, have you ever looked up really, really early um, Felix the cat? No, I should though. No, I think there's some weird real there's some really funny ones um the very first one is really dark <laughs> very strange oh really um but there's one where felix punches the man in the moon in the face um, <laughs> what? i forget <laughs> it's like That's laughing awesome. at him like moonshine like the beverage is involved and then but then like, oh the i love moon, that connection he like punches the moon <laughs> that sounds great i mean Cartoons are great. They're underrated. And back then they could do more um, weird or even adult um, type scary, you know, type things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I would say before That's people strange. like got more moralistic, maybe about cartoons. Um, yeah. So. I mean, they were always mostly vaguely for children, but like weren't children in 1930 scared at all? Maybe they weren't. Maybe they were like the Great Depression's going I don't on. Know. I don't have time to be scared <laughs> of fucking dancing ghosts and skeletons even really really <laughs> early disney things like yeah. there's like this dancing skeleton one that's very cool. yeah yeah i mean skeletons are scary i would have been <laughs> scared of that <laughs> yeah I don't, there's just something i and part one reason that i became also more fascinated with uh toys as a as an adult also is that there's a similar like you can get so much across in an expression in sort of simple lines and it applies to both cases. And I just find that That's a great point. Very captivating. That's um, a great point. To toys rule. I love toys. It's true. Ah, well, wow. I feel like we learned a lot. It we, always comes back to Batman. Though, we learned it? a lot. We've grown a lot as people <laughs> in this uh, time span, which is not exactly an hour, but please forgive us audience. Uh, we will we'll be an hour next time. No, it'll be five hours next time. Whoa. We can do another episode in like two. We can do whatever we want. We can make a thousand episodes. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Once we get to a thousand and we'll be like, we did it. Um, yeah, we didn't talk about anything topical and news-like. And that's what I love to see. Like, that's the dream. It all comes down to the end of Civil Disobedience by Henry David Thoreau, where after he's been bailed out of jail, um, he goes berry picking with some boys from the village. And he's like, As one the, does. State, the state was nowhere to be seen or something. There's a line. I was like, yes. <laughs> holy shit. I've never read it, but that sounds great. Oh, you got to read that shit. It's short. It's very. I think I have it, maybe. But I mean, I he says he's not a no government man. You know, he says it. he's like, he's a. He was on the fence, wasn't he? He's admitting to be a manarchist straight up in the text. Okay. Um, but it's I'm a, not interested. <laughs> no, of course. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it's such a good, t- it's such a good, you know, 
the poetry of the text and some yeah. of like the, the 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 attempted ideals. People like I'm not gonna read Walden. It's it looks kind of tedious. And yeah, like his mom did his laundry or whatever. I don't know. But as just like a poetic essay of principle and hope, like civil disobedience is lovely. Like I mm. highly recommend that. Okay. Well, I think I will disobey you and not read that ever <laughs> in my life. But thanks for the recommendation, Lucy. Hopefully That's our viewers fun. get something out of it. Fine. Then I will never read this. Which is next no. Yeah. Okay, I probably will. It's fine. You don't want to fight fascism? Well. Um, I'm busy. But I hope it does. <laughs> that's a whole other question that's a doozy but i i I wish it nothing but failure and um ruin and forgetting and you know just yep all the f's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um see this is the problem when uh you're my friend and talking to you is fun um and therefore the end result is not some might say as polished as it might be no no i think that's what endears us to our millions of viewers and listeners our millions of viewers yeah um, yeah well i haven't looked at the, the raw numbers but i heard through <laughs> the grapevine um my understanding is that we're getting at least millions of viewers. i have heard that yeah okay I've heard that. if any viewers can confirm or deny that below in the comments you know please help tell us but yeah let us know if you're talking about this at the water cooler the next day. Um, sure, you most of you are. Yeah, and pour me a drink because it's 90 degrees. Yeah, yeah. pour Lucy a drink. Genius of you to be working at a job where you get money. But I'm, I'm going to tell my husband you said that. <laughs> tell him. Tell that genius of a man that you lock down smartly. I did. It's true. I did yeah. that. Yeah. Um, there you go. What's this? A toy? Yes. <laughs> talk about <laughs> talk about expressions. Uh, yeah, I love this because this is Wage, the ugly doll. And when I discovered his name was Wage, I made a stupid Wage. joke in my head and was like, "Ah, oh, a toy named Wage, and he has a job, uh, as described on the tag, uh, late capitalism." Am I right, folks? Which is also a term I think is stupid anyway. But then it turns out <laughs> that it had a really adorable origin where the creator like drew a little doodle of this guy to his um girlfriend in south korea and was like i miss you i hope we can get together here i am working so we can be together again and then she made a doll and then they started selling the doll what? oh so my I was god like, that's the cutest thing i've ever heard that's a great story behind the toy wow i never yeah. expected that I just had to explain my stupid mind joke about wage. Um, yeah, and for listen for soul for listeners, uh, sucks for you because Lucy's <laughs> showing the toy on camera and you can't see it. <laughs> Try watching our show like a real fan. Yeah, like a real American on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a of... good a good note to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, America and and you. Etc. I have nothing. I have nothing. It's well. Hot. I think this was a success. Let's I just can't podcast when it's hot. I'm the so one who lives in Florida. My air conditioning has been off for officially an hour and a half. Oh, because of the the, 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 loud, the loudness, right? Yeah. The noise. Well, I'll let you get back to your to your uh, precious AC. AC and, and um, CM can can go back to his air conditioned. We could talk about the news sometimes, 
or the philosophy sometimes. Philosophy um, of the news. Yeah. No, you know what? Is this you part of what? the podcast? You know what? I don't know anymore. I'm just going to say we, I had a good time. And I had a great time too. Everyone else can can just listen politely. I was going to say go to hell and then I realized there was no need uh, to say that. I'll say that. Um, everyone else go this to is, As soon as we hit an hour and a half, I go insane. So um, this That's just when it gets good. <laughs> I started insane and I got kind of normal and then it, it, there's... I don't know. Issues. I feel like your insane levels were off the charts for the vast majority of my interactions with you at any in, point in time. our entire lives. In our entire yeah. lives. Um, this has been the fifth episode of the Anti-Power Hour. Yeah. And someday there'll be a sixth. And I... Someday. ...think it's going to be great. So, goodbye. I, I doubt it, but... Audience. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening or watching. Or neither. Yeah. <laughs> See you next time.